Part Two, Chapter Eight, of the Adventures of Jimmy Dale. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard. Reading by Lars Rolander. Part Two: The Woman in the Case. Chapter Eight: The Toxin. It was only a little way back along the street from the sanctuary to the corner on the Bowery, where, as Jimmy Dale, he had left her, where, as Larry the Bat, now he was going to meet her again. It would take only a moment or so, even at Larry the Bat's habitual, characteristic slouching gait. But it seemed that was all too slow, that he must throw discretion to the winds and run the distance. His blood was tingling. There was an elation upon him, coupled with an almost childlike dread that she might be gone. The Toxan! The Toxan! he kept saying to himself. Yes, she was still there, still whiningly imploring those who passed to buy her miserable pencils, and then, with a quick-flung whisper to him to follow, as he slouched up close to her, she had started slowly down the street. The Toxin, the Toxin, the Toxin, his brain seemed to be ringing with the words, ringing with them in a note clear as a silver bell. The Toxin at last the woman who so strangely so wonderfully so mysteriously had entered into his life and possessed it and filled it with a love and yearning that had come to mould and sway and actuate his very existence the woman for whom he had fought for whom he had risked and gladly risked his wealth his name his honour everything the woman for whose sake he the grey seal was sought and hounded as the most notorious criminal of the age. She whose cleverness, whose resourcefulness, whose amazing intimacy with the hidden things of the underworld had seemed, indeed, to border on the supernatural. She, she, the Toxan, the woman whose face he had never seen before. The woman whose face he had never seen before, and who was now that wretched hag that hobbled along the street before him, begging, whining, and importuning the passers-by to purchase of her pitiful wares. He laughed a little, violently. He had never pictured a first meeting such as this. A hag? Yes, and one as disreputable in appearance as he himself, as Larry the Bat, was disreputable. But he had seen her eyes. Intimable as was her disguise, she could not hide her eyes, or hide the pledge they held of the beauty of form and feature beneath the tattered rags and the touch of a master in the make-up that brought haggard want and age into the face. And dimly he began to divine the source, the means by which she had acquired the information that for years had enabled her to plan their coups, that had enabled him to execute them under the guise of crime, that for years had seemed beyond all human reach. Where was she going? Where was she taking him? But what did it matter? 
The years of waiting were at an end. The years of mystery in a few moments now would be a mystery no more. Ah, she had turned from the Bowery and was heading east. He shuffled on after her, guardedly, a half-block behind. It was well that Jimmy Dale had disappeared, that he was Larry the Bat again. The neighborhood was growing more and more one that Jimmy Dale could not long linger in without attracting attention, while, on the other hand, it was the natural environment of such as Larry the Bat and such as she was leading him now to the supreme moment of his life. Yes, it was that, the fulfillment of the years. The thought of it alone filled his mind, his soul. It brushed aside, it blotted out for the time being the danger, the peril, the deadly menace that hung over them both. It was only that she, the Toxan, was here, only that at last they would be together. On she went, traversing street after street, the direction always trending toward the river, until finally she halted before what appeared to be as nearly as he could make out in the almost total darkness of the ill-lighted street a small and tumble-down self-contained dwelling that bordered on what seemed to be an unfenced store-yard of some description he drew his breath in sharply she had halted waiting for him to come up with her she was waiting for him waiting for him it seemed as though he drank of some strange, exhilarating elixir. He reached aside eagerly, and then, and then, her hand had caught his, and she was leading him into the house, into a black passage where he could see nothing, into a room equally black, over whose threshold he stumbled, and her voice in a low, conscious way, with a little tremor, a half-sob in it that thrilled him with its promise, was in his ears. We are safe here, Jimmy, for a little while. But, oh, Jimmy, what have I done? What have I done to bring you into this? Only, only, I was so sure, so sure, Jimmy, that there was nothing more to fear. The blood was beating in hammer-blows at his temples. It seemed all unreal, untrue that this moment could be his, that it was not a dream, a dream which was presently to be snatched from him in a bitter awakening. And then he laughed out wildly, passionately. No, it was true, it was real. Her breath was on his cheek, it was a living, pulsing hand that was still in his, and then soul and mind and body seemed engulfed and lost in a mad ecstasy and she was in his arms crushed to him and he was raining kisses upon her face i love you i love you he was crying hoarsely and over and over again i love you i love you she did not struggle the warm rich lips were yielding to his he could feel the throb the life in the young, lithe form against his own. She was his, his. The years, the past, all were swept away, and she was his at last, his for always. And there came a mighty sense of kingship upon him, as though all the world were at his feet, 
and virility and a great glad strength above all other men's and a song was in his soul a song triumphant for she was his you he cried out and strained her to him you he cried again and kissed her lips and her eyelids and her lips again and then her head was buried on his shoulder and she was crying softly but after a moment she raised her hands and laid them upon his face and held them there and because it was dark dared to raise her head as well and her eyes to look into his then for a long time they stood there so and for a long time neither spoke and then with a little startled broken cry as though the peril and the menace hanging over them forgotten for the moment were thrust like a knife stab suddenly upon her she drew herself away and ran from him and went and got a lamp and lighted it and set it upon the table and jimmy dale still standing there watched her how gloriously her eyes shone dimmed and misty with the tears that filled them though they were and there was nothing incongruous in the rags that closed her in the squalor and poverty of the bare room in the white furrows that the tears had ploughed through the grime and make-up of her cheeks you wonderful wonderful woman jimmy dale whispered she shook her head as though almost in self-reproach i'm not wonderful jimmy she said in a low voice i and then she caught his arm and her voice broke a little i brought you into this probably to your death jimmy tell me what happened last night and since then i i've thought at times today i should go mad oh jimmy there's so much to say tonight so much to do if if we are ever to be together for for always last night jimmy the telephone i knew there was danger that all had gone wrong what was it his arms were around her shoulders drawing her close to him again i found the wires tapped he said slowly yes and and the man you met the chauffeur he's dead jimmy dale answered gently he felt her hand close with a quick spasmodic clutch upon his arm her face grew white and for a moment she turned away her head and and the package she asked presently i do not know replied jimmy dale he did not have it with him he wait she interrupted quickly we are only wasting time like this tell me everything everything just as it happened everything from the moment you received my letter and holding her there in his arms softening as best as he could the more brutal details he told her and at the end for a little while she was silent then in a strained impulsive way she asked again the chauffeur you are sure you're positive that he's dead yes said jimmie dale grimly i'm sure and then the pent-up flood of questions burst from his lips who was that chauffeur the package the box numbered four two eight and john johansson and the crime club and the issue at stake the danger the peril that surrounded her 
and she above all more than anything else about herself her strange life its mystery she checked him with a strangely wistful touch of her finger upon his lips with a queer pathetic shake of her head no jimmy not that way you would never understand i cannot but i am to know now surely i am to know now he cried a sudden sense of dismay upon him three years three years and always the next time i must know now if i am to help you she smiled a little vanly at him as she drew herself away and dropping into a chair placed her elbows on the rickety table cupping her chin in her hands yes you are to know she said almost as though she were talking to herself then with a swift intake of her breath impulsively jimmy jimmy i had thought that it would be all so different when when you came that that i would have nothing to fear for you for me because it would be all over and now you're here jimmy and oh thank god for you but i feel tonight almost almost as though it were hopeless that that we were beaten beaten he laughed out defiantly then playfully soothingly to reassure her jimmy dale and larry the bat and the gray seal and the tocsin beaten and after we have just scored the last trick but we do not hold many trumps jimmy she answered gravely you have seen something of this crime club's power its methods its merciless cruel inhuman cunning and you perhaps think that you understand but you have not begun to grasp the extent of either that power or cunning this horrible organization has been in existence for many years i do not know how many i only know that the men of whom it is composed are not ordinary criminals that they do not work in the ordinary way to-day they set the machinery of fraud deception robbery and murder in motion that ten years from now and perhaps only then will culminate in the final success of their schemes and they play only for enormous stakes but her lips grew set you will see for yourself i must not talk any longer than is necessary we must not take too much time you count on three days before they begin to suspect that all is not right with jimmy dale i know them better than you and i give you two days forty-eight hours at the outside and possibly far less jimmy abruptly did you ever hear of peter lasalle the capitalist yes said jimmy dale he died a few years ago i know his brother henry well at the club and all that do you she said evenly well the man you know is not peter lasalle's brother he is an impostor and one of the crime club not peter lasalle's brother jimmie dale repeated the words mechanically and suddenly his brain was whirling vaguely dimly in little memory snatches events not pertinent then vitally significant now came crowding upon him peter lasalle had come from somewhere in the west to live in new york and very shortly afterward had died 
The estate had been worth something over eleven millions, and there had been... He leaned quickly, tensely forwards over the table, staring at her. "'My God!' he whispered hoarsely. "'You are not... you cannot be... the... the daughter... Peter LaSalle's daughter who disappeared strangely?' "'Yes,' she said quietly. "'I am Marie LaSalle.' End of Part 2 Chapter 8 The Toxan From the Adventures of Jimmy Dale by Frank L. Packard Read by Lars Rolander